welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. We have Larry Wayland on board from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. And you came alone. You brought Scott. <laughs> Scott Van Kirk is with us. He is a uh, Second Amendment supporter. He's a firearms trainer. He's former law enforcement. Uh, and uh, he is on board, too. He's also my From fill-in. Wisconsin, eh? Uh, no. Or yeah. no. Yeah, or no, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wisconsin, eh? No. Or no. <laughs> and he's my fill-in guest host uh, and sometime co-host. Uh, Scott, welcome back. Glad to have you with us as well. Thanks, buddy. Good morning. Listen, uh, I'm, I'm curious about uh, collector firearms. I was reading a piece that said uh, there are some firearms that you can buy that um, you can use as an investment. Well, yeah. Um, well, they're all an investment. Well, yeah, but this is just, uh, this isn't a, an investment in saving your life or your family. Uh, these no, but be... it, it's one of the very few durable goods that you can buy, use as intended, and care for it, and see appreciation over time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, you can't do that with your smartphone. I mean, it's, you're using it up, and it's, it's obsolete when you buy it. But firearms, they're, it's a great place to park money. So it's a great, uh, a great way to, uh, to make some money. Uh, investment. They say side-by-side double shotguns uh, are a good investment. Uh, yeah. Either one of you guys have? If, if you know what you're buying, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, uh, there's... there's... If, if you want to lose some money, Gary, I can definitely get you into some side-by-sides where you would, you know... <laughs> <laughs> no, there's, uh, you know, the, the, the collectible... Uh, the collectability realm of the firearms is one of the absolute great ways to like i say it's 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 a tangible investment you can touch you can love it you can actually use it as intended take good care of it and you're going to see appreciation over the lifespan of you know over, over your lifespan it, it's it's a great great place to, to put money buy good Hold. stuff you know get informed know what you're looking for and you know putting together a collection you know based on desirability down the road you know uh, getting all of the uh, winchester model 70 feather lights in in variety of calibers right. you know aggregating all of those together can be a great way to uh, you know make a wonderful inheritance for your family well the list goes on to suggest colt single action army revolvers yeah uh, and generally any colt pistol uh is a good investment they say luger pistols i assume they're referring to the german Yes, nine millimeter. Yep. Yeah, Winchester rifles, mm-hmm. Parker shotguns. Yep, World War II era Nambus. I, Nambu- I, either one of you Nambu- guys familiar with it? Nambus. Nambus. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. was a crappy Japanese Japanese army pistol. Uh, pistol. Yeah, yeah, just like the worst military sidearm in. But widely collectible. Yes, but yeah. widely collectible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, M1 paratroopers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sharps Because 18... every, everything's huh? worth more when a paratrooper's attached to it. Says <laughs> <laughs> the paratrooper. Sharps 1863 carbines, carbines. Uh, Walther P38. Uh, it's a World War II trophy gun. Yep, the first, uh, the first uh, modern double single nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of the Luger of World War II, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. Walther P38s are amazing. And you had a real good chance of getting some really nice ones after the wall fell. A lot of them came out of the Soviet Union that they had captured during World War II. The next one kind of surprises me, and, and really because of Larry. Uh, Mosin Nagants. Mm-hmm. 
Larry had a deal uh, many years ago. Oh, and, yeah, selling them by the crate. Yeah. 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 No, and we bought uh, a couple of them. One for my father-in-law, he, uh, you know, as a gift. Um, and um, my wife and I, and, and they were really not expensive. Well, and, and really, you know, the Mosin Nagant was um, at a very affordable World War II collectible. Mm -hmm. um, and then dates back to World War I's use also. But, you know, all of those war surplus guns... Everything that's ever going to be available already is. Right. There, there's not going to be new... They're not going to dig up a warehouse full of them anymore. They yeah. They pretty much yeah. all hit the market. Yeah. yeah. And, they're so, not, and they're not making any more. They're not making any more. <laughs> and, and anything that's coming out of service now is typically a, a, a non-transferable firearm. Right. So, yeah, the, 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 the war collectibles are a great place to put money. Again, yeah. Yeah. Buying, buying good pieces, knowing what you're looking for, and, you know, there's tons and tons of literature on you know the proof marks in the u.s military and which arsenal they, they went sure. through and, and where they were originally fielded and well i think you'd agree larry that you know if we if we backed up 30 years we would have bought 55 gallon drums full of lee infield oh, and bowsers yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> they, they, they were and, selling and at, at 30 to 75 dollars right yeah that and, are now right. 750 dollars right i guarantee you that mosin nagant that you bought and this is a scarcity issue because like yeah. you're not going to make anymore those mosin nagants that you bought gary those are probably worth four times what you paid for them at least yeah yeah, yeah so that was a great investment yeah. um, see i never lead you wrong gary that's right Never? Ne yeah, that's what I said. Well, sometimes. <laughs> just, let's just go with what I said. 60 percent of the time, he's right every time, <laughs> at least. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> or no. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, S and T Daewoo's. I'm not familiar with that firearm at all. South, uh, either, either South you Korea. South Korea and Daewoo. Yeah. 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 There was a. They had a kick, but. Um, uh, semi-automatic rifle that was uh, you know based on a military version yeah. that came out of South Korea maybe like in the 80s mm -hmm. same time that you could have got like velments and stuff like yeah. that just um, just amazingly fun guns yeah you know one of the it occurs to me one of the advantages uh, in addition to the price and the service of going to someplace like Modern Arms at the Brown Station location is that if you go out and you uh, you you want to make an investment you buy a legacy H and K pistol which is a, another one on the list. You can bring it to Larry and have him take a look at it, and he'll tell you what you got. Yeah, be happy to. Oh, yeah. Love, love to look at guns. Oh, so yeah. Legacy H&K pistols are on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, SIG AMT, the STG-57. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, here's one for uh, for Larry, the FN, FNC. Yeah, the FNC, a semi-automatic um, uh, 5.56 rifle. Mm -hmm. um, great, great guns. Neat design. So if you're looking to invest and, and buy something you can play with uh, and, and go out and shoot and use as intended. And see long-term appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. Take care of it. Merwin and Hulbert revolvers. Uh, that's a new one to me. I'd yeah, have to, I don't know. Completely yeah. naive to, the, to this. I never heard of that one either. Enfield rifles yes. are on the list. Yeah. Oh, don't get me started on the infield that I used to own. <laughs> Is that one of those things you sold and now you're thinking? Oh to yourself? yeah, because I had bought a, an infield rifle and it was a later production one. I just liked it because infields are cool, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, it was a 1952 production. Great, great, but a great example of the last production model of the infield. And I bought it at a 
at a gun and bait store. Nice. On a lake in northern Wisconsin for $125. You could have got like a whole lot of leeches for that same money, eh? <laughs> yeah. And now, now I look to replace it and, you know, five, five and a half, seven, six, seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Legacy. Arasaka rifles. Arasaka. Yeah. Again, another fine example of the horrible military weapons of the Jap- the Imperial Japanese military. But the strongest action, strongest bolt action rifle fielded during World War II. Yeah. It was it was seven seven. Yeah, it was a great rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw. I, I I had my hands on, on a highly collectible version of it used several able, weeks ago. You used to be able to buy those things for twenty five dollars oh, yeah. a piece. Yeah, but no, th- th- this one that, that I that I that I got a chance. To, to get hands on. I, I didn't get a chance to purchase it, but it was out of a collection where a guy had been a, a gun shop owner for, you know, 40 plus years and his whole life he had, he had creamed the crop, you know, con, con, conti- continually bought the next best version of it. And this Arasaka had the original muzzle cap and front sight cover that okay. was made of brass. I've never even seen that part. Didn't know it exists. I, I, I heard it existed, <laughs> but I'd never seen that. And this one was was absolutely pristine. But yeah, um, you know, Anti- something like that's going to bring huge money at auction. Anti-aircraft aircraft sites, sites as yeah. well as monopod. Um, oh, monopod. Oh yeah, yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous rifle. And finally on the list, they put in Purdy's. Yeah, Purdy shotguns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it should have led the list. Um, yeah, the the Merkels, the Purdy's, they're. They're just, um, you know, expensive shotguns from the get-go, but just all the hand tooling that goes into to the shotguns, you know, it's it's almost just like an upsized Swiss watch because the parts are bigger, but the the machine work and and the precise fitment in those in those shotguns is absolutely amazing, and the you know the amount of hours put into them, they're beautiful shotguns and they shoot really well. Anything you guys want to add to that list? I mean the old, um, the the originals. I mean they're bringing a lot of them back. But I mean obviously you talked about Colt, the original snake gun. Yeah, the, the snake revolvers. Yeah. Um, they're out there. Um, you know, and another one that, that's not as high up that list, but the the original Smith and Wesson revolvers. You know, from the oh the fifty nine thirty nine. Yeah, and the six fifty nines and the well no revolvers like oh, the, 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 the twenty nine. You know, oh, the, okay. the, 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 the the double digits. Yeah. 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 Just beautiful, beautiful, high-polished blue, again, precision fit. These guns were certainly factory-built, but they were hand-fit. The, qu- the quality control was yeah. significantly better, too, yeah. as well. Yeah, so. when you can see, and it hasn't helped the market at all that we're in the middle of a revolver renaissance yeah. where people are feeling comfortable getting back into wheel guns and stuff like that, and you're trying to hunt up. You're, you, you've seen a that jump in in value of revolvers i'm sure you've seen it in mm-hmm. the shop where you're like oh yeah i got a revolver it's going to sit on the wall forever in a yeah. day and i'm it's going to i'm going to get 300 bucks for it well that same revolver now you're getting 500 for and you yeah. can't keep it on the shelf and yeah, the demand is there and, and that's used yeah for the old i think you're stuff. really driving that demand yeah, Scott. You, your your, your fanaticism for revolvers <laughs> yeah. has really bent the curve on that market and we appreciate it thank you so yeah, much for I driving thought, the prices up what, like, every couple of weeks he comes on and, and starts promoting <laughs> i'm surprised there's no revolvers on the table this morning because i'm sold out apparently larry doesn't want to sell a gun today (laughs) those revolvers by the way are even more expensive if you ask for the van kirk discount all right uh up against the clock but when we come back there's the other side of this coin Uh, these are great firearms but not really a cash investment 
we'll kick that around for a few seconds next on Gary on Guns. Good. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And he's brought along with him Scott Van Kirk. Uh, and he is, as I pointed out before, former law enforcement and a firearms trainer, among other things. Uh, we talked about firearms that you might want to buy as a collectible. Uh, the, the advantage, of course, being that if you take care of them, you can use them. And, they, and they'll still increase in value. But there are some firearms you may want that really aren't going to appreciate much, if any, at all. Uh, and that would be any AR or AK platform guns uh, or their receivers, parts, their, their accessories. Um, and I guess they're, they're just so ubiquitous. You know, if you've got the only 1957 Whooperman, uh, it's going to be worth a lot. Uh, but if you've got, uh, you know, an AK or an AR... No, they're still, no. they're still, I would disagree. I disagree strongly still, on that uh, one, yeah. some really good products out there that are incredibly collectible. And there are some, there's some era AKs, um, like the Polytech. Yeah. And the SP1s in the AR series and stuff like that, that are, Again, old, they're, they're older versions of those weapons, but they're incredibly collectible. Yeah, so buying, buying good stuff. You know, and you to, never know and, when you won't be able to get it again. Right. <laughs> so, no, I, the, the AR is, um, certainly there are a, ARs and AKs that are widely collectible at, at huge values. Well, what uh, the author here says is that modern rifles like those uh, and their receivers, parts, and accessories uh, are not necessarily a, a, a good investment. Uh, they won't reliably appreciate uh, both in spite of and because of the fact that Americans tend to buy huge quantities of certain guns based on current events. Uh, the explosive market for AR-15s and AK-47s that appeared due to concerns about a, an assault weapon ban, uh, for instance. Uh, now you'll find AKs and ARs everywhere you look. They're not particularly collectible guns. This isn't to say that you shouldn't buy one for utility or for your own enjoyment. Uh, and a well-maintained high-end rifle from a reputable brand will likely still be a valuable thing uh, to hand down to your kids. Uh, there may be exceptions to the rule, but in general, AR-15s, they're just so ubiquitous. Uh, the author didn't... Uh, yeah, as as ubiquitous as the bolt-action infield rifles that were sold in a barrel for $35 a piece back in mm -hmm. 1965. Yeah. Yeah, so I, 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 I don't know. I, I think you're looking at, at long-term, and I certainly wouldn't buy the I mean, I, you, we're cheapest price point you right. know, package and, I don't and think, expect to see Colt appreciation. You're not yeah. going to see that. Yeah. But, yeah, there, there's, there's, there's ways to still invest in those I don't uh, think, black rifles and, and make money on them yeah, long-term. I, mean, I, I mean, I don't think long-term <clears throat> you're going to see a, a huge investment in a PSA. You know, Palmetto right. or you know, Palmetto, Palmetto or, or uh, Anderson, Anderson, yeah, or like you know, that. The, but there's got to be versions of Daniel Defense that isn't available anymore. Yeah, Noveskis. Yeah, POFs. Yeah. yeah, all of that stuff. I think that there's there's buying. There right. are segments that, that you'll see appreciation, and you'll, there's segments where you won't see as much. Right. Yeah. But would you argue that most AR-15s and AK-47s are not going to appreciate? AK, I see. I don't know about I, the AK. I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't agree with that. I, I think last, you will see appreciation long term. When's the last time you saw an AK come through? Yeah. A new one. 
or even a used one. AKs are not as prolific as you think. And I think some of the stuff that Kalishnikov USA is making mm-hmm. right now. They're making some really good guns. Has got a real chance of being your high-end, your Cadillac AKs. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, hammer forged them, barrels. And, yeah. you know, I think what the author is arguing is that for the, for any of those uh, to actually appreciate, it's got to be generations well, down the road. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's it's the time the yeah. time to appreciate, well, absolutely. And, well, and here's the thing, Gary. But uh, all of the ones he listed on, on his earlier list were guns that were made decades and decades, decades ago. ago. Yeah, they yeah. were. There yeah, were so. You weren't talking about something that appreciated in three years and stuff like that. Larry and I aren't arguing with the author's findings. We're just telling him where he's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's... Yeah, no, I think that's arguing uh, that he's wrong. Uh, he goes on to say a cohesive collection could be a better investment than a handful of different individual guns. You're not saying that it, it's not good. He's just saying it's better to have a cohesive collection. Yeah, you know, if pick, you have the patience a, for it. Yeah, picking a, a, a brand or a, a style yeah. and owning all of the calibers in that. Right. Um, yeah. You know, the, the well, I've had one. I've got one hanging on the wall right now. A Ruger Model 77 All Weather 22 rifle. Really? So they were they were shunned by the market when they were available. It, it had a plastic stock. It was. You know, it was 70- all stainless steel. is kind of ugly at the time because yeah. stainless wasn't the fashion. And the market kind of rejected those guns, and they went out of production. And that, that $250 bolt-action rifle is, I've got a used one on the shelf at 1200 bucks because well, they stopped making them. Mm-hmm. And now the desire is there to own that gun. And, you know, now if they built it in centerfire calibers also yeah. with the same cosmetics. And I've got one of those on the wall, I think, in... Seven six two by thirty nine, which was a yeah, which was a super small production line. Um, again, um, the market didn't accept them when they were when they were brand new. Went out of production three decades later, hugely desirable, and the prices through the roof. Yeah. They go on to say, curiously, and I think you just uh, made the case: smaller bores appreciate more quickly than larger bores, especially for shotguns. Uh, and he says this is the case simply because fewer are produced which makes them less common. It's not unusual for a vintage 410 to sell at twice or three times the price of a 12-gauge. I, I would yeah. agree with him there. He, yeah. he did get one thing right, yeah. yeah. He, got, well, <laughs> he got that right. Yeah. got a couple of things who, right. Who, who's, right the, who's the author, author on this piece, Gary? Oh, I wish you hadn't said that. Okay, yeah, sorry. I, just, I thought you were going to. That's right. I just, what clicked, this, I just clicked away from it. <laughs> the Ruger 77 is a great action. Yeah. I have a 308 in, in oh, 77 yeah. action. And um, I remember when both of those rifles came out, and I've known people at the time that owned them. Because with that 7.62 by 39, everybody's like, what do I need a bolt action in the AK round right. for? Yeah. What yeah. is this, what purpose does this what ballistically this? better than a thirty thirty? Yeah. And now there's some great brass cased high quality yeah. ammo in that. It's, yeah, but back then there was Norinko. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back then the the, the, the the rounds were yeah, pretty pretty much just garbage. <laughs> but but the M seventy seven is an amazing action. I yeah. prefer it to the seven hundred. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, all right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, in my, on my computer screen, I'm looking up most in the gun, see what it's worth. <laughs> yeah, I can't help it. Okay. Uh, rifle scopes, we'll kick that around a little bit. Uh, we've got a, a study that says essentially global warming is making us shoot each other. We'll cover all that ground, and then we got show and tell. All on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome to Gary on Guns, and uh, Scott Van Kirk is with us, and uh, so is Larry Whalen from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. Yeah, we're going to talk about rifle scopes in a few minutes. I got a message from Mike. He said, hi, Gary, your list excluded legally acquired full auto firearms. Great place to park money. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have some to be start with, but yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Imagine if in 1965 someone bought uh, a full auto uh, firearm. What it, you know, it probably would have gone for a couple hundred bucks at best. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, the, the the Hughes Amendment capped the or closed the NFA registry for new additional machine guns in 1986. So even into the early 80s, you could buy a transferable. I was I was very close to, to looking at an HK trigger pack mm-hmm. because you could use it in a, a nine millimeter uh, MP5 type or 94. You could put it in a 93, shoot 556. You could put it in a G3 and shoot 308. Um, and I was looking at the trigger pack. I think it was going to cost me like $2,500 at the time. And that same transferable trigger pack today would be probably $35,000 um, because uh-huh. when they capped that registry. And yeah, uh-huh, I, that- I, I chose poorly and did not uh, <laughs> properly invest. Uh, All the ones that got away. Dang it. <laughs> so, Mike, a good point. Well made. Oh, man, I would be so upset. Uh, if you want to send me a message, it'll come up right here in studio. Just go to GaryNolan.com and uh, send a message. Pop right up here. On the phones, uh, let's see, uh, 800-529-5572. Mark is on the line. Mark, welcome. How are you? I'm doing great, Gary. Thank you. Uh, I just wanted to ask the guys, um, you know, when the the short magnums came out, I got real excited about it and bought a 300 short mag and uh, ordered a left-handed version from uh, Savage and was, I love it. It's one of my, it's, it's, I'm, I just love it to death. But boy, you can't find ammo to save your life. <laughs> and yeah. and I, it seems like, you know, I, I, I don't have anything against the, the, the 6.5 Creedmoors except they, they, don't they, they they have so much out they don't have leave any room for my ammo and i can't find you know i go to the grocery store and i can't find bread because all the 6.5 creedmoor out there but uh <laughs> it, i guess my question is i have heard a lot of different uh things people say it's not that popular but i know a ton of people who use it so i don't completely believe that number two they, i hear something about well the guy who designed it uh with Winchester uh, has been in litigation, and now Winchester doesn't want to have anything to do with it. That Winchester isn't doesn't want to produce the ammunition. Nobody else does. And I mean, I know that uh, I know that it's all about money, but I don't I don't understand why they why they wouldn't want to fulfill that market because I know they sold a lot of short mags, and whether they say they did or not, they did. But I don't know. I just wondered what. I want to hear from somebody who really knows, not just what my buddies are telling me. And, uh, so, and, uh, so if you could give me an idea, I'd sure like to know what's going on with that. And, yes, I have bought dies, and I'm going to start re- reloading it, so I know that's the answer. But uh, yeah. anyway, if you could. Well, I, and I, I don't have any great insight into the, 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 the reason why it's not back in production besides just the the manufacturers will produce what, they see the highest demand for um, is, is kind of what we've seen, you know, during the during the pandemic, um, you know, it was it was pretty much NATO calibers uh, exclusively. And then yeah. I mean, luckily we're past that. And we are seeing for for, for a number of years, we, we couldn't see even the, the Creedmoor was was hard to find. Now yeah. it's flowed back in as um, you know, as things move forward, I think you'll see continued expansion into the more uh into other calibers and and see stuff get back in stock but i don't know what the grand yeah. conspiracy is if, well, if there is one uh behind that but uh could it, yeah could it be larry that uh the demand for 
nine millimeter and and uh, forty five and all the other handguns and rifle rounds uh, that that are more commonly used. Uh, you know, they're oh. trying to make up for that shortage well, that happened when you know with the. COVID and all that stuff. Well, even in the best of times, sporting ammunition is a lower, and I say sporting hunting ammunition is a lower priority because you buy one box of ammo every season, and (laughs) the people that go play gun games and stuff like that buy 5.56 by the by pallet. the thousand round, yeah, yeah, yeah. thousand round, and, and pallet, pallet size right. volumes. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just the, the the overall volume of of ammunition consumed in those hunting calibers is less than those consumed yeah. in mean, in gun game calibers. I mean, I mean, realistically, if you you know if you if you know what you're doing, what I remember mm-hmm. from from hunting whitetails and stuff like that, you know, you beyond, beyond beyond verifying the zero of my rifle, I might shoot two rounds in a season. You know, which means that a box is going to last me 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, there's some of it's market-driven that yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. So I, so I should just practice less and, and put it. <laughs> 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 That's the answer. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. That uh, I'm, I'm going to quit searching for the conspiracy and just deal with it. But I, uh, So I appreciate your expertise and appreciate what you all do. And uh, thank you for uh, your answers. Awesome. All right, Mark. Thank you. thank you for the call. We're glad to have you on board. Uh, if you've got a question, uh, 800-529-5572, or just go to GaryNolan.com, uh, send me a message there. I did do a quick search on that Mosin Nagant, and I am stunned, Larry. Yeah. Uh, because I think you sold it to me for, I don't know, 100 and change, or like 150, uh, I don't remember exactly. Yeah. yeah. He'd give uh, you, he'd probably give you 300 for it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be selling it for 300 because he, <laughs> <laughs> Double the your, lowest hey, price du- I saw was uh, seven hundred, but most of them are going for in the neighborhood of nine hundred to fifteen hundred. See, I, I never steer you wrong, Gary. Yeah, both Larry and I are just shocked that you wouldn't want to double your money. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, looking for a new uh, co-host uh, for Gary and Gun. All right, I'm looking at Larry, and Larry's like, "I'll give him three twenty-five. <laughs> as long I don't as I want to do it, but as I long won't. as I don't get the Van Kirk discount, I'll be a happy camper." Because uh, then it cost me half as much. By the way, has anybody heard from Belt Boy lately? The Superbelt.com? Um, it's been a minute since I've heard from It's been more than yeah, a minute. Yeah. I've, I've seen some stuff on Facebook. I think um, I think they've they've had some um, I think they've had some losses in the family and um, knowing the way Ellis yeah, his is. His grandfather. Yeah, knowing away. how uh, family and church oriented that uh, that Ellis is. Um, I'm I my We'll get him. We'll get him drugged back here yeah. eventually. My, my yeah. assumption is he's rallying the family together and everything else like that. And we uh, we certainly uh, wish him the best and all our condolences to him and his family. Absolutely. Um, the, the reason I point this out is I noticed today that I haven't replaced. It's been a couple of years now since I've got since I got the super belt, and it looks like it's brand new. Yeah, you, you won't have to replace that. I yeah. mean, as old Ever. as you are, that'll last forever, Gary. Yeah, you'll be passing as that old on as somebody. I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're also looking for a new retailer to be <laughs> part of the program because Larry has to leave now. Uh, best rifle scopes. Uh, you guys have any suggestions for people who uh, are looking for a good rifle scope? Um, I am a big fan of 
buy once, cry once. Yeah. Um, go ahead and and buy. Spend, spend the money. Spend the money. Buy a good piece of glass. You'll own it for a long time. You know, if if um, I have a I, I have a loopholed three by nine, like yeah. Very X two or whatever model it lifetime was, purchase that that, that, that the, optic will yeah. absolutely last forever. That belonged to my dad, yeah. and I think he bought it in nineteen eighty. Yeah. And I still have that glass, and it still gets mounted on rifles, and it still does amazing stuff. And I can only imagine what it cost in those dollars back then. Right. Um, no, it's 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 not wrong to go ahead and spend a, a bunch of money on optics. I, I've got a number of rifle combinations where the, the optics uh, very close to the, the price of the gun, if not more. I've got one, um, I've got one where the optics cost more than a rifle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, the, you know, the brands, it's it's anybody's choice on that. You know, it, it, in looking back historically, the, the loophole brand mm-hmm. has, uh, has has been a, a, a great product, mm-hmm. their, their whole product line. Um, you know, there's but there's a lot of really good stuff in the market right now that's not as expensive and gives very good performance with great warranties. I, I I just encourage people to don't be afraid to spend money on optics. It will it will pay off for generations. Well, and I think in real dollars, good glass has become more available at lower prices. Really, oh yeah, you know the, the you know the, the Zeiss the yeah. Zeiss products. You know where it was Zeiss, it was hand polished yeah. lenses in the fifties mm-hmm. to get a, a world class scope at the time. You know, that's all computer-controlled mm-hmm. glass automation. You can do that in China. <laughs> and and it's the, the glass clarity is just as good. Now, the coatings on those lenses uh, are some of the things that, that companies really differentiate themselves on, uh, what type of, of coatings they use on those lenses to reduce internal glare uh, in, in the magnified tube and uh, re- reduce edge distortion. Uh, that edge-to-edge clarity is kind of um, where I'm a snob. I really, mm-hmm. I don't want it just to be clear in the middle. I want edge-to-edge clarity. I want tactile clicks on my on my adjustments. Um, but yeah, it, but don't be afraid to spend money on glass. Yeah, it will it will pay because off. Because here's the thing: if you get rid of the rifle, you keep, keep yeah, you keep, keep the, the keep the glass. Yeah, yeah. Keep you the buy glass. you buy a Night Force scope, you own it forever. Yeah, right. and because it's you love it so much, it's good stuff. Well, we're up against the clock, but when we come back, Randy Tulane uh, from GunRightsActivist.org has uh, his list of the 10 best rifle scopes for 2023, and uh, he tested them. He didn't just, you know, read up on what their attributes are. He actually shot them. So we'll go back over that next on Gary on Guns. It is Gary on Guns. Larry Wayland is in from Modern Arms. At the Brown Station location. And Scott Van Kirk is in from Wisconsin. Or no. Uh, or, or no. no. Eh? Eh? Yeah. Okay. Uh, before I get into this uh, scopes thing, uh, Brandy has a question. She said, at what age would you introduce a child of firearms? My grandson is about to be five years old, thinking of getting him a BB gun. Yeah. Well, so, the, the the it's not a numeric age. It's, it's a um, relational age with the child. Um, you know, a maturity age, and I think five is an ideal time in most cases to um, introduce a BB gun. You know, under proper supervision with some uh, advice and guidance, and and um, you know, an adult that's going to show them the proper use and the proper safety techniques. It'd be an ideal time. Um, you know, the uh, the youth shooting sports continue to grow, and it, it's how we're going to maintain the ability to. Uh, 
to own firearms is having youngsters that grow up around them, being knowledgeable of them, and learning to be safe with them. And it's something that is ideal, and it, it's a huge safety precaution in the family to teach your kids how to swim, teach your kids about firearm safety, teach your kids about storm safety, teach your kids about fire extinguishers and how to use them. You know, those are just life skills that everybody should have. Um, and, uh, you know, it does need to be age-appropriate, but a BB gun at five, and there's rare circumstance where that couldn't work with, with good adult supervision. Sure. And eye protection. Eye protection, eye protection, eye protection. She try out. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> And go with the classic Red Rider. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, All righty. All right, let's get to the best rifle scopes. According to gun rights activists, uh, if you're looking for low-power variable optics, uh, they, they recommend the Primary Arms 1 uh, 6X uh, ACSS. They say it's the best uh, low-power variable and Optic. Primary Arms is doing some really good stuff. Uh, they've got some some wonderful bullet drop reticles that they mm -hmm. offer in I've their got, in their optics. I, um, I run uh, the a fixed six power um, with uh, bullet drop compensator for three hundred eight. Yeah, yeah, from Primary. Primary is good stuff. Yeah, uh, they say the Loophole the three nine uh, X VX Freedom best hunting scope. It's that's the modern version of the one I. Yeah. Told you I inherited the, the, from my inherited. dad. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. He's right on. Uh, primary Arms SLX3, uh, best budget prism scope. I like a little prismatic sight. I use those quite often. They're, the the advantage of a prismatic sight is it's a very compact um, compact item. They look a lot like a modern red dot optic yep. uh, in length and, and tube diameter. Uh, but I, I run, run a little one that's got a three-power fixed magnification with an etched glass reticle, and the Primary Arms offers that, which is fantastic. The beauty of that is, while many of them are illuminatable, mm -hmm. so you can turn them on and have a red reticle, the day the, that you forget to put a new battery in it and the battery's dead, you've still got that etched glass aiming point in right. the optic. I love prismatic sights. Well, so that six power that I was telling you about, mm -hmm. um, that's a... Uh Prismatic, and then when you talk about etched, I run a vortex etched yeah. on one of my five five sixes. Yeah. Uh, number four on the list is a six hour Bravo five. Uh, they say that's a premium uh, prism scope uh, that uh, that they like a lot. And uh, Sig is a relatively newcomer in the, new. in the yeah. optics <laughs> world. Um, I've run a couple of their things. Uh, I like the Sig product line. Um, it, it's a good value. I'm not. I've never had hands on on the one they're speaking of here, but. Uh, yeah, it's a good product line for sure. Absolutely. I've been I've been hearing some good things about Sig and glass, which I was like, well, yeah, I could see that. No yeah. one, no one Sig is a firearms manufacturer. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Good stuff. Trigicon TA six forty eight, six by forty eight millimeter, uh, best ACOG. Um, they they put that literally right below the Sig. <laughs> on the list. Now, the, the six-power ACOGs are heavy. That'd be my only drawback to that uh, that scope. I, I love it. it. It's robust. I mean, it is it is as... Um, uh, you could probably drive fence posts with this thing. It mm -hmm. is a big, heavy hunk of extruded aluminum or a forged aluminum housing. Great, robust optics. Um, I've, I run ACOGs. I, lo I love them. I, I like the four powers because they're so much lighter, but I don't have the magnification benefit right. of the six power. So, yeah, it, it's definitely a, to me, it was a weight trade-off. Uh, not to mention that six power is, 
That's a pricey little booger. Hey, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a Cadillac, man. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. 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 They say it's literally bomb-proof. The yeah. military yeah. has used them for 20-plus years. Yeah. And they don't. Uh, and, the, and speaking from experience, the military does not care how heavy our stuff is. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have to carry it. You do. That's <laughs> right. Uh, the Leupold VX Freedom Scout 1.5 uh, 4X, uh, they say it's the uh, best scout scope. Uh, you guys really like the Leupold, and uh, they're hot on this list a couple times they show up. Yeah. Uh, Vortex Strike Eagle. Mm-hmm. Now uh, that's 424 Vort- by 50. Vortex is a, um, not a newcomer now, but they are a young company, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, in, industry-wide. But, man, they have got some fantastic I, products I, in every price category. I run a lot of their lower-end stuff in just the plain non-mag yeah. red dot stuff, and I love all of it. Yeah. I've got... Uh, and it, it all has the lifetime warranty, yeah. Any, <laughs> anything that, that uh, they put out. I got a heck of a deal on a Vortex Spark 2 that went on that uh, Henry that yeah. I bought from you. Nice. L- love it. Absolutely. They love say it. it's the best budget long distance scope. Um, so it, it's uh, affordable uh, and it's good. And there's nothing wrong with that. Vortex Viper PST2, mm-hmm. uh, 5x25x upgrade long range scope, uh, number eight on their list. Uh, then uh, the primary arms PLX630x, uh, bang for the buck long distance scope. Um, yeah, prim- primary arms does some some legit stuff. Yeah, and then uh, finally the Vortex VMX three T best three X uh, magnifier under two hundred dollars. So that, according to uh, gun rights activist and Larry Wayland and Scott Van Kirk, and from, I don't know from the Brown Station location. Station, yeah. yeah, modern arms. Uh, two of the yeah. guys, two of those, two of those three guys I know are pretty uh, pretty accurate in the stuff that they <laughs> go with. So, <laughs> so you say. So you say. Rifle raffle. Uh, Brian, we got a comment, a question for uh, Larry. We do. I'm not sure he'll have time to answer it, but uh, Ron wanted to know, can Larry talk about the ATF Form 1 for pistol braces? Ooh. I might have, and I looked on the ATF website, but wow, that's not easy to navigate. They want, they <laughs> really? Want it, they it's want it. everything before you can even get to the Form 1. I gave yeah. up. Thanks. Yeah. All right. right. We'll get to that sometime in the next half hour, but yeah. uh, coming up, we've got show and tell, and Larry, has he's really showing everything here, uh, Scott. He's, he's showing some, a lot. He's a lot got some more. stuff. He's he's a little uh, he's a little light on the revolvers, but other than that, he's got some really good stuff <laughs> going on here. A little light on the revolvers. He's a little lightning. Well, never mind. I won't say that. All right, we are up against the clock. Quick break. We'll be back. It's Gary on Gun.